I'm Mike Hicks, I'm the Principal Solutions Analyst here at Thousand Eyes, and welcome back to the Internet Report's bi-weekly Pulse Update. This is a podcast where we keep our finger on the pulse of how the internet is holding up week over week. So to this episode, what I want to talk about is redundancy and two incidents that happened at Google Cloud and Microsoft 365 that reinforce this importance and really help us to talk about the evolving strategies to meet this goal. Before we get into that, let's start with the download, which is a quickly quick summarization, a TLDR, if you will, of what happened in the internet in the past two weeks. When it comes to technology strategy, it's a good idea to have more than one way to access every resource, just in case something happens. As those IT environments have changed, so is the thinking around approaches to achieve this. If we go back in time, historically, when we looked at how redundancy and disaster recovery plans were actually sort of undertaken, we were basing it on the fact we had almost bricks and mortar data centers. So we could have sort of dual data centers there where we could have diverse cabling coming into these systems, and we could actually sort of split those away where we went down. Redundancy meant having separate data centers with separate power supplies, and if one site was actually lost, an organization could either just switch over to one, you could run them in parallel, um, but you had some capacity till the primary site was actually restored around from there. Now, if you think about where we are today, uh, redundancy is going to mean architecting the applications or workloads now they've got to run across multiple availability zones. But more than that, what we've actually seen change is we've seen this change. So there's more proliferation of SaaS applications. So we're using those. There's distributed architectures. Our users distributed. So we have more than one aspect. Where our application was essentially hosted in a data center, we now have to con uh, contend with this really distributed environment that we have to have all these different contingency plans and really an understanding what's happening um, when we go into that area there. So the key part, we live in this, this 24 by seven world and what you wanna have is continuous, continuous without interruption. So you don't want to be, have these downtimes as, as possible there. And you've got to have plans and ways to actually work around from there. And obviously visibility is the key to there. So in recent weeks, we've seen two incidents that reinforce the importance and this need for evolving strategy, it really sort of brought it home, uh, how we actually need to consider what we're doing in terms of this disaster recovery planning and to, to cope with redundancy around from there. So the, the two we're talking about there, one was in Google Cloud, the other was in Microsoft 365. And now let's dive and explore what happened each of these outages. As always, include them in this podcast and the chapter links in the description box below so you can skip ahead to sections that are most interesting to you. Uh, hit like and subscribe. And as always, email us at internetreport at thousandice.com. We always welcome your feedback, questions, and suggestions. Um, before we get into this, I want to take an overall look at the outage numbers and trends this week. I want to um, introduce my good friend, Kamal Shankar. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on board, mate. Uh, thanks, Mike. It's awesome to be here. So let's take our numbers for this week. Okay, so if you let's take a look at the numbers, actually my favorite part of the podcast, where we actually go through the patterns and what we're seeing across from there. If we actually look at the global outage, they initially dipped, uh, dropping sort of slightly from 239 to 213, which is an 11% decrease when compared to that uh, the, the week of April 17th to 23. What then followed was a significant rise. The outage jumped up from uh, 213 to, to 310. This is a 46% increase compared to that previous week across from there. This pattern was reflected in the US uh, with the outage initially dropping 13%, which was 109 to 95. Um, initially, before they actually sort of again rose significantly from 95 to 109. This time was an 84% increase for the US outages. 
What this then reflected in is, if we then dive in to see what it, what it was, the US-centric outages accounted for 52% of all the observed outages. Now, this is larger than the percentage we saw um, on the previous episode, where between April the 10th and 23rd, where they accounted for 44% of, um, of all the outages we saw there. And this is a second consecutive fortnight where these US-centric outages have accounted for more than 40% of uh, all the observed outages. We hadn't actually previously seen this percentage rise uh, it, this high in 2023, so it'll be actually interesting to see sort of how this continues. If I actually delve into those, and I did dive into those, you know, can't help myself to actually see what was, was happening, 93% of these outages occurred outside of US business hours. So we base US business hours on uh, Eastern Daylight Time, 9 a.m. to uh, to 6 p.m. from there. So those outages occurred outside of that that hours there, which is probably why we actually didn't see too much in terms of user impact coming around from there as well. So that also indicates the fact that, uh, sorry, sorry, Mike, like that also indicates the fact that it might be actually to the maintenance related work during the off hours. But uh, you know the timing is actually quite interesting. I'm just think, trying to think about why uh, at the start of May, right? And you, you know, yeah. like potentially just for the um, you know ramping up capacities for the holiday season, doing regular maintenance work and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting. Oh, I find the numbers interesting anyway. But but it's this like you say. What actually did this one? And if I go back and look at the previous years, now that percentage wasn't as big when I go from there. But the actual numbers sort of resonate the same. If I actually look between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two for the corresponding months, they actually look the same when we come from there in terms of actually outage numbers. You know, give or take a, a, a few there, which is, which is, which is kind of interesting. We go from there. The other thing, of course, is we actually look. Um, this period takes into the end of April. Uh, so if we actually look at the sort of the April outages that, that came from there, um, we actually had a drop. So if I look at total outages from from um, April, it went from uh, 1,077 to 1,026, which is a five percent decrease. When I compare that back to March, um, the US entry get. US centric outages, on the other hand, sort of rose from 369 to, to 451, a 22% increase. Again, if we actually went and looked to start to see those, we go to your point about the maintenance types of figures, where you see them occurring outside. Now, an interesting thing, and we'll dive into this probably in the next one um, because we don't have time here, but we talk about the fact then that these US centric outages. I said, you know, there that they have sort of a minimal impact, or we hadn't seen we hadn't seen too much of a user impact around uh, around the place. But we're also starting to see this sort of spread out globally. Now, previously, we've actually seen the the domino effect, as it were, sort of being restricted to a particular area, and this is why we saw the U.S. centric outages sort of figure lowly in terms of how many they impacted. We've almost seen some of this sort of domino effect. Like I say, interesting pattern. We'll sort of dive in as we as we start to uh, go further into the year. Okay, so with that, let's discuss some of the outages from the past couple of weeks as we go under the hood. So driving home this importance of redundancy, the first outage I want to discuss um, was actually caused by a water intrusion incident in a Paris data center that caused a shutdown of multiple zones uh, in Google Cloud's Europe West 9 region. Now this occurred on April 25th. And according to Google, it was a water leak in one of their data centers that led to a fire in a battery room um, that subsequently Google then experienced infrastructure failure that affected the Europe West 9 cloud region, impacted multiple cloud services. But what happened where the water leak um, initially impacted that portion of Europe West 9A, um, but the subsequent fire required that um, Europe West 9A and B uh, and a portion of um, uh, West 9C to be temporarily powered down while they sort of uh, cope with the fire from there. 
So many regional services were affected while Europe West 9C was partially unavailable. Um, and as these regional services were stored, once Europe West 9C and B was actually sort of back, back online, um, Europe West 9A was sort of still stuffing, but we were able to sort of move, move stuff around from there. So we saw sort of different impacts around from there. We obviously see if I'm looking at having my workloads situated in that particular uh, specific data center or that part of the data center there, then there was, um, it would impact sort of just the regional services. If I had sort of different availability zones, look in different geographic regions, um, or my workloads could be shifted from there, then I could actually start to pick up and I sort of had those. So it's this different impact in terms of some of it being sort of local, some of it sort of spreading out uh, um, globally there. So Kamal, do you want to just, just show us what we actually saw briefly from the outset there? So uh, what really happened here is that we observed from the Thousand Eyes perspective a uh, lights off event. And for the audio only listeners, what we actually observe or what we are looking at is the timeline. And the timeline indicates that everything was working fine uh, until about um, 26th of April uh, 2023 at uh, around 2.45 UTC when we started observing a 100% pocket loss. Essentially, uh, uh, this is a uh agent-to-agent uh, agent -agent test as part of which we are uh, actually testing bidirectionally um, um, traffic uh, between the agents that are probing the target agent and target agent in this particular case was the um, um, enterprise agent that was hosted in West 9 AGCP uh, availability zone. And um, as you can uh, clearly see, uh, you know, what happened in that particular timestamp is that we started observing 100% uh, bucket loss, which goes uh, uh, hand in hand with, my, with what you might just explained. Um, if you go back to the latency, what you're going to see is that everything worked fine. We are seeing an average latency of uh, approximately 155 milliseconds. Bear in mind that this is an average latency across uh, different agents that are probing this uh, uh, particular uh, target. And then the lights off event is part of which we can see that there was no more uh, data that was uh, collected. This, this is kind of interesting for that point. And this might seem obvious, right? So I'll, I'll take that. But, but we obviously saw the loss, right? As you said, lights off, lights on uh, type of situation, lights on, lights off situation goes off from there. But if I was looking at this without that context, I would go, geez, look at that, my latency's improved. <laughs> I've gone from, <laughs> I've gone from, um, yeah, 150 milliseconds to, to zero latency. That's, hey, everything's improved there. So this is what we're talking about, looking at things in context when we, we come from there. So, you know, I've got a loss rate. That's why the latency's dropped, uh, almost like a causation rather than a, a, a correlation per perspective. Exactly. And, and, you know, very often we speak about these things uh, from the perspective of, uh, you know, uh, these large companies having the issues, uh, while, you know, you might be the smaller enterprise company, you know, or a retailer or who knows, you know, like which business you are in. And it's very legitimate question to ask yourself whether, whether the issue is on your side or whether uh, that could be actually something external to your control. And, you know, yeah. having visibility and observability uh, such as thousand times in this particular case actually tremendously helps because uh, with this test, you can straight away say like, where the uh, demarcation point of the issue is. That, that's actually really interesting, and that's actually a really nice segue into this. This, yeah, we're talking about redundancy. That, that the if I if I if I start to come to this concept then of my redundancy and my disaster recovery planning, then what I'm really interested in when that happens is identifying 
who's responsible, you know, and that's not necessarily a question of passing blame or across from there, but this helps in two counts. So this helps from my planning perspective to understanding how my traffic goes from there, but also how quickly can I react when we go in from there? If I go back, right, yeah, again, I, like, so very old, I'm very old. <laughs> we keep coming that fact there. My disaster <laughs> recovery plan at a previous, uh, um, in a previous life was there was, we basically, and this is going to really age me, we had to unload the tapes off the machine. <laughs> we got in the car, we drove down to a, a port, we go across on the ferry, we then drove to a, a data centre um, in, in somewhere in Europe around from there. It took us two days to get this stuff back up and going from there. But it didn't actually impact what was happening in terms of um, the... Uh, uh, the, the business that we're running there because you know, we weren't dependent on that, but now we are dependent on there. So a couple of things that, that sort of want to sort of delve into or, 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 or ask about here is that the first point there is, you know, okay, this was, a, this was a, a, an issue that occurred. Um, they've identified this water intrusion that the generators of fire sort of uh, that then caused them to shut these down. But those three availability zones were all essentially sort of reasonably located because this one fire sort of took out um, or, or meant they had to pad down those. Now, uh, admittedly, two of them came back up reasonably quickly so they could actually start to uh, uh, sort of move workloads across from there. But if I was dependent on that one, you know, and, and or, or had everything in those, those same availability zones, um, I, I want to know about it, but also I want to know what decisions I could make to sort of go around from there. Looking at this particular issue that um, that was experienced, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, companies uh, are gonna take a look and they are gonna, uh, you know, uh, reconsider how they are doing the um, availability zones from the perspective of, uh, you know, in interdependencies. You know, whether the power plays a, a role uh, from A to B, from B to C, from A to C, and stuff like that, right? But beyond that point, um, to what you have said previously, the nature of the applications and like how we do work significantly changed. So there was this paradigm shift that happened approximately 10 to 15 years now, as part of which we are seeing that, you know, uh, software as a service is now a new application stack. You know, the applications are not anymore, uh, you know, single hosted in the on-prem data center with a clear disaster recovery plan. Also, the way that we build applications uh, significantly changed. If you think about it now, like microservices and everything, like uh, it's significantly spread out and, you know, uh, the nature in which these applications are working is significantly different than, than we are, you know, historically getting used to uh, do things, right? So that's the first point that, uh, you know, uh, in this particular case, like in general, like all the cloud providers, regardless of which they are, have this like, you know, narrative as part of which the redundancy is your responsibility, you know, and you as a customer should potentially think about like putting, uh, you know, uh, your eggs, so to say, into multiple baskets, uh, in this case, like baskets being availability zones, uh, you know, but, um, you know, even such as this one actually, uh, you know, can get us to um, think about the uh, some kind of hybrid cloud deployments as part of which you might actually consider uh, having something on-prem or disaster recovery plan on-prem or and then like... Um, you know, your main application being uh, completely deployed in the cloud, or potentially uh, you should consider beyond the inter-AZ availability, right? Yes, inter-AZ brings a lot of value uh, based on our cloud report, right, that we published in uh, 2022. Uh, we said that uh, inter-AZ um, uh, 
latency was like approximately two milliseconds, which is astonishing if you think about it. Like that, that, that they are able to provide that level of uh, latency. However, you know, um, you know, latency does not really uh, go into the consideration once you have the full outage, right? Like it's not important that it's two milliseconds when it's not working. That you know. So uh, the other thing is like you know, um, the other thing is you know, customers should really think about like you know. Um, uh, disaster recovery plans in a form of like, uh, should we go uh, beyond inter-AZ? You know, should we have something on-prem, something in the different region potentially, or potentially something in different cloud, right? So multi-cloud deployments, uh, multi-regional deployments, uh, you know, beyond what it's typically done uh, with the uh, multi-AZ stuff uh, could be one of the answers here. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting points you've raised, many interesting points you've raised there, Kyle, but, but there's a couple I want to sort of go back and one I want to dive into in a minute a little bit further. But but when we're talking about from there, you know, you're talking about sort of the um, the, the cloud providers the hybrid 100% agree with you, that's exactly what you want to be doing to looking from there. But you also then have to look at that in the context of the performance. So what is my, my what is my trade-off? You know, obviously there's costs involved to actually start to put um, you know, in an ideal world, I'd have availability zones in different countries uh, from there and everything's protected. But but if it's not going to impact my performance, if I come down to, you know, even if I've got a manual system, I actually want to push an instance somewhere to, to do that uh, post there, that might be more preferable than actually sort of you know, burning costs of, of having something or, or, or uh, running up costs of, of, of having this complete system around from there. So by having that holistic visibility across from there, you can start to make decisions. And there's a second point uh, there, and I want to hold this thought because I'm going to dive into in a second one, as you, you mentioned there, in terms of this, the, the we'll call it complexity, but this diversity now that's occurring, you know, we have so many different moving parts involved that I'm that, that just simply saying I'm going to have a hybrid cloud environment necess- doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to have an effective disaster redundancy plan. I need to be able to have all these other considerations. How, how am I, how, what's the path coming into those? Do I have an aggregating point there? You know, what's the application look like? How is it architected? What are the other dependencies that may sort of come down there? So as I said, don't want to answer that now because I want to hold that as we dive into the next outage. On April 20th, some users of Microsoft 365 apps were unable to access certain apps from the central Microsoft 365 login page. So this is that main landing page, you know, where you go into it and you can say, oh, I want to choose this application, this application. Some of the users actually locked out from this login page completely, while others could actually reach, let's say, part of the applications. But when they actually got those applications, there were sort of functional issues with, with the apps within there. So when they were at that app, then trying to reach parts of the app were not rendering, they couldn't actually do search, those types of things were occurring around from there. So again, talking about redundancy or, or considering that into this, this outage there, if we consider what type of redundancy uh, would have made sense in this type of place or in this situation there, we sort of come back into aspects of um, process, as it were, on top of there. So we're not necessarily looking for some automated action around from there, but it could have almost been a workaround or a turn and approach to access the apps. In this particular case, it was able that you could actually access the apps. So you know you could actually put in the URL and you go directly to the app. So outlook.office.com uh, for Outlook, Microsoft365.com, uh, Word would actually launch the app as well, and so on. You go from there. So if you have prior knowledge of where you're actually going to, you could get to the um, the main part of the application. So if there was parts of that that they weren't necessarily functioning in, in the the um, once you actually got to those. But for the whole, I could actually use it, or you could use the user could use it, and there wasn't actually too much going on from there. 
So this incident had similar similarities with uh, the one in March involving Okta, where we had a single sign-on uh, portal um, where many users could access the enterprise application suites. So in this case, Kamal, we actually had reachability across the network. So we could actually get there, and if we actually looked at the network, we couldn't, um, it appeared that everything was connectivity from there. So from that, we could conclude it wasn't a network outage, uh, but instead we were looking at something within the application infrastructure itself. Yeah, I mean, like, uh you know, while you were explaining what actually happened, I was thinking about how hard it would be for the uh, end user to actually figure out, or the IT administrator for who is potentially on the receiving side of the many complaints that are coming his way about, like, you know, um, Microsoft uh, suit not working fine, right? This just paints a picture of, like, how multi-layered observability actually can help you uh, quite a bit in these kind of situations uh, from the perspective of the fact that you can actually see, okay, it's not me, it's them fairly yeah. quickly and then you can actually go back and say to your uh, you know internal stakeholders uh, you know something down the lines of like yes we are aware that this is happening we are speaking to a service provider about this the other thing that I'm uh, just thinking about is that how fascinating is it like that in 2023 like uh, the nature of the work changed so much uh, you know it's yeah. not it's like yesterday that everything was hosted on your own computer that you were doing your work and then you were figuring out for figuring out how to trans transmit the data that you actually did. Now everything happens like in a SaaS environment, you know. Um, so I think like, uh, you know, uh, going forward, uh, monitoring uh, and having like deep visibility into the performance stack of these applications is going to uh, just play a key role. Absolutely. And, and if you actually go to, the, and Microsoft has said this, those are the root cause of this outage appeared to be something, and I'm going to call it middleware functionality, right? So what actual component was on is, is sort of there. But but they actually reported sort of seeing these high CPU utilizations on these components um, that were doing this back-end navigation. So, you know, this is then where you actually, because I said we could get to the front end, we talked about the contextual, the network was there, I could reach it. Uh, it was then how was my um, app, or how was my request for an application then direct in the back end. And also then if I went to the application, how was that then uh, um, sort of accessed and, and requested from there? So it was actually sort of impacting that, that so that navigation feature for the APIs uh, that we we're going to communicate with across from there. What then turned out was that, that Microsoft reported that they'd, they'd reverted, um, they when identified as high CPU, they'd actually done a service update, they reverted a sub service update, and things started to, to, to fall back in place and come from there. But the point you just raised there was incredibly important, I think, because and it goes to, uh, sort of brings us full circle, as it were, around this disaster recovery planning or, um, or, or this contingency planning, is for, for, for one of a better ways. If I don't understand how things are connected together, um, or how they're working and remembering exactly what you said there. We've changed. Everything used to be on the computer. I could actually sit and sort of turn, turn stuff off. Everything was on a punch card when I started. Now, everything was on, <laughs> everything was on, um, uh, was on, your, own, on your, your own desktop. You could actually do there. You could work. We could actually have completely disconnected and I could actually maintain that connectivity. Now I have different APIs. I have my workforce is distributed. My workload is distributed. I'm using SaaS applications. And underpinning all of this, I have the internet, which is dynamic. Um, it is sort of self-restoring in, in, in places there. But all of these com com things have got to combine together to, um, to, to make my digital experience seamless. 
But at the same time, I've also got to understand if there is a particular issue in there, to your point, is it is it me or is it you, who it is? And then I want to kick into what my, my playbook starts to come in from there. So in this particular case, it's okay. We understand it's there, it's connectivity. They could communicate once they get the help desk calls coming in. This is the URL we want to go to. So the workaround. So the process doesn't necessarily always need to be this automated function. But understanding of what it is and where that problem is allows you to Im Im uh, implement it. But, but and, and, and I'm going to pause for breath in a minute here, but, but when we start to talk about disaster recovery plans, we said it sort of changed um, uh, d d uh, d dramatically over this period. You know, we go back to the, 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 the time, um, even just sort of a couple of years ago before we went to there, there wasn't probably a disaster recovery plan that, that considered the amount of SaaS applications that were going to be in use and relied upon. And also probably wasn't one out there that really considered um, that we had this distributed workforce out, out from there as well. So I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like what you what you previously said is actually something that really well resonated with me. Like there was this paradigm shift, like, you know, uh, as part of which, you know, we are seeing that the cloud is your new data center, uh, SaaS is your new application stack. And, you know, underpinning all of that is the internet, which is your new network, right? And obviously, you know, home is your new office, right? So these four pillars uh, of the a paradigm shift actually changed how we work, how we live, you know, how we have fun. Both the operators and the providers are still in the process of, you know, adapting to this change. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on that point, I think we'll uh, we'll leave that for today. So thanks, Kamal. As always, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, always great to have you on the podcast and hope to get you back soon. Thank you so much. It's 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 been my it's been my pleasure uh, recording this session with you today, Mike. So that's our show. Please like and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Thousand Eyes. Um, if you have any questions or feedback or guests, please feel free to send us a note at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. And if you want to connect with myself and Kamal in person, we're going to both be at Cisco Live Conference in Las Vegas, which is occurring from June the 4th to June the 8th. And we'd love to have you stop by the Thousand Eyes booth to say hi. Um, and we'd love to chat more about internet health. I'm happy, always happy to talk about SLAs and, and everything there, um, outage trends, networking, anything you want to see. And also on that, I know that Kamal is going to be leading a fascinating breakout session on rethinking network monitoring. So um, his session is going to be talking about how to be proactive rather than reactive. Um, and we're going to include a, a link to register uh, in the description box below. So please definitely check it out. I think there's a few places still available to there. So until next time, that's our show. Thank you. Goodbye.